Welcome to the podcast Rise and Play. I am Sophie Vaux, your podcast host. I bring together leaders, entrepreneurs, fund makers, investors, and educators who are here to make a change in the industry. For a brighter and healthier future of the games we will make, and how we will make them. We're here to start a conversation because listening and asking the hard questions is sometimes enough to inspire change in us, to take the leap to. Let's begin. Module 2.3, your main responsibility as a team leader. So now that we have um, sorted that when you are thinking of building a team for the long term and you need to build an anti-fragile team, then you as a team lead, what is your main responsibility to make it happen? Here is um, a visual of what uh, I would say in an old-fashioned way the boss, as we have seen it, probably you have worked in organizations like that. And, you know, the boss is pushing for the team and telling them what to do, where to go, how to do it. You know, a bit his own image of uh, leadership. And I would say these days, there's a lot of awareness that it's moving away from this type of leadership. But nevertheless, that's not the one we want for ourselves as a team lead. Your role is not to define like how the team should do and uh, push them to do the work and make sure that they do the work. This is the old way. But then I would say the new modern way is the team uh, lead is really showing the path, um, having people in the team following the leader and uh, making it happen. And I would say it's a better model definitely than the previous one. Um, but personally, I don't think this is either the model I would like to go for when it comes to really building an anti-fragile team. And I'll detail more about that. So it's definitely better than previously when you have the boss pushing and micromanaging. Here, it's a boss more collaborative, showing the path and everyone follows. But the leader is still very prominent in that type of organization and dynamic. So... I'm going here for the leadership of 2020, 2021, and for the decades to come, which is um, a concept of really, I took also from good to great. So it's not a book from 2020, but many years before, I think it was like 15, 20 years ago, and still very relevant and very good about the leadership of today. And in this um, book, the concept is really about bringing the right people on the bus. And I definitely believe the same as well, that your role as a team lead is to make sure that you onboard the right people on the bus and that they are on the right seats of the bus. So you start to build first a great team, a great culture and environment. And then with the bus, you figure out where to go with this group. But you don't know yet before you have a group. And that's a different way, of course, of forming a team and uh, approaching leadership. And uh, one of my also inspiration I have in the game industry is Jesse Shell, and he had an amazing talk that I put the link down there uh, in my materials later, where you can um, see as well his approach to leadership. And he, um, in this slide uh, and talk from GDC, that uh, was really funny um, with Shira, and uh, from uh, he, um, he 
is his alphabet. So what do you do as a leader and what is the alphabet of your responsibility? And if you see in the list that he also put there, there is nothing so much about game uh, to say, like game execution production, but a lot about uh, the system for the people in the studio, um, more the administrative things, the culture, the environment, giving feedback. And that's what I want to dive in more into in the future models. So to conclude, what is your responsibility as a team lead, as you want to build this dream team, this long lasting team? Your main responsibility is not to create amazing games, although it's part of your mission, but it's to build the environment for amazing teams to create these amazing games. And that, this is where is the nuance. Think about it, reflect on it. Module 2.4, steps to build a great environment. So now that we define what is your role as a team lead, your responsibility, which is not to create the games that will become a hit, but to create the best environment for your teams to create a hit. And what are the steps to build an environment for a studio? So first one is the mission. The mission is covers the why, why are you here? What are you trying to achieve? Why does this studio exist? Why did you build this studio in the first place? Clarify all of that to your team, to um, the individuals, to make sure as well that they are aligned with this mission and that's why they're here also with you. And I have um, touched upon the topic of mission in previous classes that you can go back to to see how do you define a studio mission and vision in my first masterclass. The second step is defining the ways of working, the how. How do you work as a studio? And it covers actually many things here in the behaviors you have as a studio, as individuals. It touches also the culture, the processes, and I'll go in details about that in the future models. The first step is about team values. And team values, I have talked also about it in my first masterclass, when you hire, and this is not when after you define um, your studio and you already have people that you should actually find your team values. Of course, you would have defined them way before when you start to hire your studio and your dream team. And at last, roles and responsibility are really important as well to define the environment you're creating in your studio. And for the second masterclass, we are focusing on building um, the long-term game for teams, anti-fragile teams. I will focus on these two topics, on how to define the way of working in your studio and how do you define clear roles and responsibility in your studio. Module 2.7, set your studio culture. So after you have define your area of responsibility and the ways of working is the point of culture. And culture is of course lived in a lot of actions and a lot of processes in everything you do as a studio. So it's not something you can define in isolation. However, I want you to dedicate a part specifically of how do you set the culture as a team lead? I would say there's only one way and you are the culture. You need to walk the talk. So all your behaviors, all the things you talk about, all the things you do, all the things you foster, all the things you value, all the things you devalue or correct 
arviculture. It is through all your actions and behavior. And there's no other way by um, creating it that doesn't go through you. And it's something really important to remember. So sometimes when we talk about accidental culture, it's more an accidental culture that people, by looking at you, will mimic accidentally rather than doing it on their own will. Or it could be by accidental culture when you hire without having clarity on the type of values and behaviors you want in your studio. So I want to give here examples as a team lead. How do I live and embrace the culture I want to foster in your studio through our team values? And I have four values that are really important and haven't changed since uh, I would say the past five years since I've been running teams. And the first is growth mindset. I have talked about it um, when I mentioned about the mentality to have an anti-fragile team. And growth mindset is really one key personal value I have even in my own personal life where I think about learning every day. Everything that I believe yesterday is different tomorrow because I don't know what I don't know. And with that mindset, I talk a lot about the things we do in the studio that we believe is the correct way of doing. But I have no idea if it's the best way or the right way. It's what we try. So a lot of time, even myself as a team lead, I say with no um, barrier or problems when I don't fully know because it's true, it's really hard and complex to grasp the market and I don't have a better intelligence than, uh, of course, the rest of the collective intelligence of the planet. So it's really important to put ourselves in the team with a growth mindset that we try with what we think we know, with our best intention, and then we learn. And if we did a mistake, then we correct. And through different examples of how I live this value, is really myself admitting the mistakes I have made and sometimes the wrong judgment I have had, or even you know, in hiring and everything, talking often about the things I thought I believe I knew and I didn't know, and that makes me want to learn more and be even more open to find out more through the way and experimenting. And second, important for me is intellectual humility. And that is also a very core value for me, personal value, because I was born in France, but I am, um, my, my parents are immigrants from Vietnam. They moved in the 80s and I grew up in France as born as a French, but educated and having an experience as an immigrant. And I know how it feels when you grow in an environment where the norm is different and you, because you are different as a minority, then you are not listened, you are not um, always respected or even you know, valued as a human. And this is sad to say, but this is a reality. When in a group, you have a certain majority, a way of thinking is dominating a minority, then this is what happens, these differences uh, happen and a big misunderstanding. So for me, behind intellectual humility is the core value of understanding that we are very different in this world, different individuals. And the more we travel, the more we work with very different people or we just hang out with people from different culture, 
we understand that there is no single truth of who I am as an individual that makes the truth of who others should be. And that means that as when you are intellectually um, humble, is that you accept that differences are not a threat and it's just differences. And there are different ways of thinking that doesn't make it wrong. And actually, it's the opposite. You can learn a lot from people who think differently than you because then when you think of a problem, this is how you can get the best solution. And that's why for me, I talk often about intellectual humility in the team where it's because somebody disagrees with me that doesn't mean they are wrong. And often I'm very curious, like, okay, why do you think it's a bad idea? Tell me more about it. What is your perspective? And really showing this as well in the team publicly, how open I am as well to different viewpoints, although they can some, sometimes extreme. There's always a reason behind. Maybe it's a bad way of communicating. Sometimes there's a big misunderstanding and or sometimes there's something at stake really important for a person that creates the conflicts. But in the end, what I want to foster in the team is about really valuing differences and debating when there are differences instead of assuming there's something wrong about the person. My third value then is about team player. A team player is pretty straightforward, is as a team, we want to go for the win, but as a group and not just as a single individual. So the opposite of the concept of team player is having a star that takes it all in the team. So no one is the superstar in the team that can win it all for the rest. And this is really something is important. In the team, every time I talk about what we do in, in the team, the success is the contribution of everyone, even the one who didn't participate directly. Because everyone, it's, it's like a big house. Everyone has a participation and sometimes you see the direct outcome, sometimes indirect. It doesn't matter because even moral support or just social support is a contribution for anyone in the team. So it's about um, succeeding as a group, which is one of our core values. And at last, player-centric is one of the last values. And here it's also in the really like core of why I'm, I have built the studio. I, I love to play games. But I don't have a personal ambition to make the games of my dream for me. I'm quite happy with the games I play out there and um, I don't have a personal ambition to make a games that I would design just for myself. And it's, a, again, a very noble cause as well if you want to go for that. But in our team, this is our mission is really to design games for a big audience, people who maybe want to have more and haven't experienced it yet. And everyone in our team is very dedicated to that. So I talk a lot about players. I bring the feedback of players to the team. I talk about players. I, I show testimonials or when we make design decisions, I often ask, why do you think it's better? Is it because you think it's better or do you think it's better for the player? So it's brought to the conversation a lot, uh, especially when we have to make design decisions. So everyone in the team is quite aware but this is what we're going for. So to say like all these four values, they only matter if you as a team lead with your core values and the ones we want to foster in the team, ask yourself, are they the ones you yourself are applying to you? Are you embracing them? Are you 
um, showing them? Are you talking about them when you do certain things in the studio and make hard decisions, for example? And this is how you create a culture. It's by your actions, the things you do or the things you don't do. Um, and the team then can feel this value even without talking about it. Thanks for listening to this new episode of Raise and Play podcast. If you enjoyed the content and want to support what we're doing, rate and review the podcast, spread the word about it. If you'd like to contribute to the change too, reach out to me on LinkedIn for a collaboration. You'll find all the rest of the content on riseandplay.io, including my free masterclass on conscious leadership. Until the next time, 